0: I mentioned to begin with how important it is for men, especially to make this retreat, how important I see it is anyway, for men to make a retreat annually. And uh, that is because manhood is, is under attack. And manhood is under attack today because there is a, uh, uh, an assault from hell against the fatherhood of God, against God the Father. All that we believe as Catholics is based on the revelation of the blessed trinity of persons in God. And that blessed trinity of persons in God begins, originates in the Father. God is indeed Father. There are those who would happily cut your head off for saying such a thing today. But there are many Catholics who have willingly, even joyfully given their lives and given their heads for that truth. As John the Baptist gave his life and his head for the truth of the sanctity of the marriage vows, so so many other Catholics, so many Catholics have given their lives, and their last words were an expression of their faith in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, who have been revealed to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Fatherhood is under attack, and as I mentioned in the Father's Day sermon, that every man, even if he is not graced with having biologically given life in the world, has a father's heart. Every man has the heart of a father, and the father's heart is protective. The father's heart wants to mentor, wants to protect. And uh, every man has that, has that in him. That is precisely why hell, the powers of hell, want to destroy the father in that capacity. As the mentor and guide and as the protector and guardian. Because the powers of hell want to get past that. And they have to get past that guard. They have to get past that protector to get at the innocent And the defenseless. They want to take that. They want to take that out of their way. They're doing a very good job of doing a very bad job of removing that. And so men today have to rise to the occasion. Those who understand what is going on, as you do, that's why you're here, have to rise to the occasion and confront that by being the best that you can possibly be as far as Your vocations, as far as your manhood lived, and lived as a Catholic man, a Catholic gentleman. That is the highest compliment you can pay to anyone, to say he's a Catholic gentleman. And that is precisely what we need each each of us to be, Absolutely. The men have to step up. You see, this this entire assault we're dealing with now has to do with an ancient error, which we're going to talk about. And that ancient error is called Gnosticism. And it is a direct confrontation with the sovereignty of God the Father in an effort to degrade him and actually to abolish him in the minds and hearts of the faithful, to turn the entirety of mankind away from him. Gnosticism wants to exalt the feminine, and all of the various forms of Gnosticism all involve this exaltation of the feminine, the divine feminine. From witchcraft to it, Lester Crowley's Book of the Law, and Telema. All of the occult movements want to denigrate masculinity, virility, manliness, and to exalt the feminine. This is a subversion. Unfortunately, Many men have bought into this. And the whole purpose of this, as I say, is to destroy masculinity. But as a consequence of it, it is also destroying femininity. It is destroying both. And it is up to us to prevent that from happening insofar as we can, by the grace of God. And that is, again, why you're here, because of that grace of God, which is absolutely essential to mount that defense. We honor our soldiers. Time and time again in the airports, I will hear people say, thank you for your service, thank you for your service to our men, and now women in uniform, But each one of us here has to be a soldier fighting on a different front. I wondered about our our Catholic our Catholic military men and women realizing that they're fighting, as they're told, for our rights and our liberties and our freedoms here. And we appreciate that. But do they what do they make of it when they think, well, I'm fighting for the right to abort children? While I am, while I am confronting an enemy here abroad, my own government and my own people are aborting their children by the hundreds of thousands every year. And there is the real war. There's a real war going on. It's a kind of civil war going on in their own countries back home. Are they fighting? Are they serving to protect that? God forbid. I say this by way of illustration that we have to give them something to fight for, something right. Something good. When a country and its people become so corrupt that their system of laws, their morals are so degraded, then there's really nothing to fight for that is worth, but is worth fighting for, I should say. We here have to give them something to fight for something worth fighting for. We have to fight for our country here domestically. And we do that, well, not so far did we do that with weaponry, with earthly weaponry. We realize that this is a battle against principalities and powers, the powers of darkness in high places. That's the battle that we're fighting here domestically. And we have to be willing to fight that are we doing it? Each one of you, in one way or another, is doing that. When you pray the rosary, truly pray the rosary, you are doing that. When you attend Mass and truly adore our Lord present there in the Blessed Sacrament, yes, you are, you are actually fighting that war, even there. When you uh, stand up for the cause of defending innocent life, you are, in fact, fighting that battle. Are you fighting it most effectively and most, with the greatest dedication that you have? Well, that's another question, isn't it? Perhaps we can get a better answer to that question in the course of these conferences here. But the fact is, when a military uh, mission is being is being set up, you, you might get you might get the, uh, the, the the flyers in a military combat mission summoned at two or three in the morning for a uh, mission briefing, and the, everything is explained there as to exactly how what they are to do. They get their their plan, their tactics all arranged, they get all of the signals and so on arranged. The target has to be set, in their minds have to know how to find it and so on. Well, the retreat is like that. The retreat is like that. Retreat is like that. Getting together a mission. Getting together a a military mission for men. It is a matter of a military mission as to what to do. And how to actually strike, not on earth, but on the level of the soul and on the level of Well, actually, to strike hell. We want to actually get a kind of spiritual military strike set against the powers of hell in the world today. That's a tall order that takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of dedication to confront those powers. But that is what the retreat is for. It's a matter of confronting those evil powers. That we're threatened not only to destroy a small group of people, a large group of people, an entire village, an entire community, an entire nation. Whether it's a matter of a single bullet taking a single life or an atomic bomb or a hydrogen bomb wiping out an entire city. That is nothing in comparison with the loss of a single soul going to hell. And that is the battle that we have to wage here. That's what gives meaning to what the members of our armed services are doing elsewhere. We have to care for our own here, beginning in our faith, our loved ones, because those are the ones God has put in our care. Because those are the ones God has put in our care. So we have to have figured out what we're going to do to secure our own salvation and theirs, to do everything we possibly can for their salvation. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but suffer the loss of his own soul, as our Lord asked? And the answer is, well, he gains nothing by that. Well, we are here in order to... Um, basically respond to that, that rhetorical statement of our Lord in telling us that the salvation of our own souls is the one thing that really matters. And it is in saving our own souls that gives us the only, the only justifiable hope that we have of helping our loved ones to save their souls. So uh, the retreat is going to focus on a number of things. First of all, uh, one of the questions that I asked uh had to do with the will of God. How do we know? How do we know God's will? And we start with the question of what do we mean? What do we mean by the statement God's will? What does the expression God's will mean? So that's where we're going to start tomorrow morning. And we're going to address that question from a Catholic point of view, obviously, and uh, then look at some practical applications. And, uh, then we need to take a a good look at some of the, um, feast days of this time of year. We are within the octave now of Corpus Christi. We are within the octave also of the feast of St. John the Baptist's birth. We are with, we are going to be celebrating the feast of the Sacred Heart of our Lord, and that will have its octave. That will be starting Friday. So, we need to look at that particular message there. What do we find in the Blessed Sacrament? And then going deep, more deeply into the Blessed Sacrament, we find there the Sacred Heart of our Lord actually physically present there in the Blessed Sacrament, in the body of Christ, and alive. And we find also the figure of St. John the Baptist provided for us at this time of year. So it all fits in terms of that Masculine spirituality, that robust, that virile uh, spirituality that our Lord wants of us. And uh, then we need to take a look at the Mass and see why that is the focal point of all Catholic worship. And why not only we kneel at the Mass, but there are angels also who adore the the same God-made man on our altars, that we unite in adoring with the angels and the saints in heaven here on earth. Why is that so? Why is the mass the way it is? And uh, then we want to take a, a look at this evil error that began in the Garden of Eden, the error called Gnosticism, and why it is going to be the Great temptation for all mankind from the very first temptation in the Garden of Eden all the way to the end of the world in the Antichrist, why that is going to be the temptation. Not only for all mankind, but for each of us individually. We're going to take a look at that. We're even going to take a look at some of the um, the philosophical development of that. Because as you know, the ancient pagan religion... Was kind of bifurcated. Um, you had the simple rustic people who did not have great educations. They were, they were plain citizens, you might say, and they believed in mythology. They believed the legends and the stories and the fables of mythology. But the well educated and the intellectuals did not really believe those. They believed that those fables were nothing but uh, myths and allegories they they were purely figurative and representative but they didn't really happen the philosophers of the pagans rather developed their intellectual rational explanation of things and uh, so paganism also had its philosophical level too so it expressed itself paganism Expressed itself in the ancient world in philosophy of the intellectuals and the mythology of the ordinary believers, so to speak. And so it is with Gnosticism as it goes through history. We see the philosophical development of it and we see the mythological development of it or the mystical development of it and what they are, what they are doing now. Where do we see them now? How do we recognize them now? How do we even recognize them in Mormonism? Why is Mormonism a basically a contemporary um, form of Jewish, the Jewish cabal? Why is it Kabbalism? What does it owe to Gnosticism for its belief system? That's a fair question. So we'll take a look at that in one of the conferences also. And the reason for that is not to stress the negative, but to be able to see through the veil, as they say, and to see the reality that is there behind all the, all the verbiage and all the imagery of Gnosticism as it goes through history. So we recognize it for what it is, the essential things about it. We need to be able to not only know, but recognize and receive them. And why even modernism? Why modernism itself is a current manifestation of Gnosticism. And then we need to return to our theme again. And that has to do with the sovereignty of our Lord in his sacred heart. And what that means for us practically in our practical lives. What we should do about this. What it it requires of us to step up and not just be satisfied with being kind of in the reserves, as it were, but to, again, realize we are on the front lines and we have to act as though we realize we're on the front lines, not in the reserves. So, in any case, uh, that's my program. Father Greenwell also has a series of conferences, that you know, uh, four conferences, and he will be covering topics of his own, which fit, I think, very well with what I've just mentioned to you. But I just wanted to map that out for you so you know where we're going with this. So in any case, um, it is now uh, 15 minutes or so until we have benediction. So this would be a good time to uh, stop here and to give you a few minutes to get ready for that so the bell will ring at uh, five minutes to nine and uh, then we'll start meditation at nine o'clock we'll have the the glorious mysteries prayed during the uh, before the blessed sacrament exposed on the altar and uh, we'll also add uh, certain prayers I, I wanted to mention this too and I'm sorry uh, I forgot to do so at the end of Mass, after Mass, we'll have a thanksgiving, and I always want to include the prayer on page 64, the prayer of thanksgiving to the Most Blessed Trinity. So, uh, after Mass, I'll remain in the sanctuary, lead the prayer of thanksgiving to the Most Blessed Trinity. I'll ask Father Greenwald to do that also. If Father does not, I'll ask one of you again, uh, Steve, would you mind doing that? And if you wouldn't mind leading the... Uh, when I'm, when I'm hearing confessions, if you wouldn't mind leading the Rosary, too, I appreciate that. And if I'm not in confession, I'll go ahead and leave that myself. But if you wouldn't mind, if, if Father Greenwell is here and doesn't lead this prayer of Thanksgiving, the most blessed Trinity, I ask you to, Steve, but also then as well, because of the feast of the, the coming Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, to lead the uh, litany of our Lord, our Lord's Sacred Heart, which you'll find on page. Forty-two, followed by an act of consecration of the human race to the Sacred Heart, and we'll do that as our Thanksgiving after each each of the Masses here. Okay, thank you very much.